All right, welcome. I'm here joined with Emmett Peppers, and today is Tuesday, December 8th, about 11 a.m. Pacific time, 2 p.m. Eastern time. And this morning, Tesla announced a surprise sock offering uh, for about $5 billion. I'm on, I wanted to kind of get Emmett's thoughts on this. I wanted to actually discuss three things, kind of what this offering was, um, number two, why Tesla might have you know, done this stock offering, number three, an update if this changes, right, Emmett's thoughts on, you know, the, the S&P 500 inclusion, his trade, and kind of discuss the dynamics on that. So, but first I wanted to get like your reaction, Emmett, like what did you think about the whole stock offering? Yeah, I mean, I'm still catching up to it. I mean, it's, you know, 11 o'clock uh, Pacific time and I've had a lot of family obligations and more and other stuff, but I'm still catching up to the news. And, and it's not like, you know, in the old days where there's like one article on Tesla per month or per week <laughs> you read about. Now it's like it's everywhere all the time. You know, there's so much happening, so much people, so many people writing about it. So it's, it, take, it can be time consuming to really catch up and, and be well informed. Um, so I think um, um, I've caught up somewhat and uh, I read the release and and uh, a lot of key uh, people's reactions to it that I follow, you know, people we've talked about and others and so forth. And and uh, I think the guy Frank Peeling said it best, I think in one of his tweets, something that's more of like a rounding error, you know, the 5 billion yeah. versus like the 75 billion now that the indexers pretty much have to buy, not even counting the benchmark funds or the closet indexers and so forth, you know, so, so, so the 5 billion, yeah, it's, 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 it, it impacted the stock, um, uh, pre-market when it was announced, I was looking mm. at the, at the, at the movement of the stock. I think it was like 665 or something like that. It was pretty high pre-market and then it tanked like 30 or $40, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like, the low today was what, 618. And then right now it's bounced back. It's actually up. Uh, four bucks for it's at six forty five actually right now. Interesting. Yeah, and let me look at those call options. The implied volatility rose significantly because even when it was down by a dollar, the, 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 those seven hundred call options were up like you know fifteen percent because I think the implied volatility wow. rose so much, and so now they're up like you know a lot compared to the stock, even just because it seems like the options uh, are pricing in a much more uh, future uh, price swings in Tesla. So. Um, but but that drop that like sort of like I, I picture it as like a forty point drop like six sixty five or six around six sixty or something like that seemed to be close to the high pre market with some decent volume for pre market trading and then this this uh, news came out and tanked to like six twenty or six thirty you know pre market with significant volume and so it was like to me like a thirty or forty point drop on this news is 5 billion. And, and if you believe in the efficient market hypothesis to some extent, like we talked about last night, mm -hmm. I was thinking, you know, this could be a way to measure almost, you know, the impact of, of, uh, the stock price on supply and demand of shares, you know, maybe, um, for every 5 billion that needs to be taken out of circulation or added to circulation, like in this case, then it moves the price 30 or $40, right? Mm -hmm. So, so if that's uh -huh. the case, it has a long way to go. I mean, that's just one way to think about it. Potentially, it's not probably not right. There's probably a lot of yeah. caveats. You know, as you go higher, the spacing might be closer or further apart yeah. for that elasticity of supply and demand with the stock price. But I feel like it's an interesting measurement to consider in your head or your thought process when you think about, you know, what could happen here. Yeah, I think um, the thing about the five billion is it hasn't gone to market yet, so it's not really the five billion impact on the stock market. It's more the announcement of the five billion. Right yeah. on, the on the sentiment of people. So, yeah. um, 
Yeah, I mean, well, I'm still catching up on the news. When did it say that they can sell the five billion? Did it say they could start selling it immediately, or did it yeah? Say so, um, I wanted to to go over kind of the the basics of the stock offering, um, mm -hmm. so people have an idea. Um, I'll link to kind of the press release. So, I mean, the gist of it, it's $5 billion, up to $5 billion, and they, they have um, the option to sell time to time. So there's no time limit. And yeah. they make all of these different, um, I guess, it's preconditions. Legal. It's right. like legal disclaimers to me, I think. Yeah. But yeah, I saw that. Uh -huh. yeah. And they basically say it could be, they could sell stock to, through brokers, through market makers, through the NASDAQ through over-the-counter, yeah. through private negotiated transactions, block trades, and basically anything, right? So they're yeah. they're trying to keep their options open, and this seems like it's definitely um, drafted by, you know, these banks in some ways. Like, they yeah. coach Tesla to, to say, hey, we've got all these different ways that we could, you know, yeah. pitch your, your stock, and so let's include all of that. Um, yeah. So it's basically they could sell five billion at any time. Like the last time they did this, they did five billion, but it was more specific. It's just it was yeah. more just at the market offering through like the market. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's the same amount. It's the same discretion. They could do it any time. But last time Tesla did this, they sold it within like four days or so. You know, even sooner maybe, right? Yeah, they, they sold just, it like in a day or two. Yeah, a few yeah. days. They just kind of got rid of five and billion. They could sell and that might happen. Maybe they sold it already today, this morning. That's what I'm saying. Like, That's true. It's possible they they sold it. I mean, look at the volume. It's pretty high today already compared to what it was yesterday. Yeah, it's possible. I mean, yeah. it could be because there's actually so many banks involved right now. There's Goldman Sachs, Citigroup, yeah. Barclays, BNP, Bank of America, Credit Suisse, and Deutsche Bank. It's like yeah. there's like six or seven seven banks, top banks, and so it could be something like here's you know a billion each, and the the stock price has to be at least $640 or higher. And you guys yeah. can sell it like, I don't know, whatever way you want, or I don't know, yeah. there might be some flexibility that, you know, Tesla's giving to these guys. Yeah, I bet there's some flexibility, like a discretion. And uh, it wouldn't surprise me if it's already been sold is what, is what I think. I, I, you know, I don't know, but it wouldn't surprise me. You know, I'm not sure they're going to put this out there and then just wait until Friday, you, you know, before inclusion to sell it on the closing cross or something you know it's possible they could do that but uh i wouldn't be surprised if they already just sold it just to raise some equity um and and, and contribute you know in some way to the s p's liquidity crisis here with tesla <laughs> so so you know i think people are starting to realize especially now we see the march continue of the upward price movement you know uh it rebounded nicely and it's uh as we're talking going up i mean you don't know in any given day what's going to happen. It could come back down, obviously, but it doesn't look like that right now. Um, and uh, it's just it's pretty incredible, this kind of historic uh, Tesla squeeze. The, the, the other thing I think I've seen people, you know, I thought of initially, too, is this extra five billion on Tesla's balance sheet might make, you know, more benchmarked funds, you know, comfortable faster to invest in Tesla than they otherwise would have been. And not all of them, but incrementally, like marginally, a certain amount of benchmark funds, instead of like maybe 10% of the benchmark funds investing over the next couple weeks, maybe now 15 or 20% of the benchmark funds are going to be investing in Tesla over the next one or two weeks, you know, because there are a few of more of them are comfortable, like, hey, Tesla's got 20 billion on their balance sheet, plus now they're going to do a lot instead of 15 billion, you know, just it, it'll move the needle somewhat in that perception of the benchmark funds that are being forced to make the decision and their decision process, some of them might be, have already been made and some of them could take weeks or months to play out. Right. So I think it could be a catalyst for that. And 
And I think uh, some people are are saying that the there could be an investment, you know, an upgrade on their uh, their credit rating, which obviously would make benchmarked funds more comfortable as well. Yeah. Um, what are your thoughts? Like, why why do you think you know Tesla decided to do this offering right now, and why at five billion dollars? Like, what do you think? What's your guess? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it surprised me, you know, I, I, you know, I didn't think it was out of the question, but I thought that when they did it in September, that was like, they're like, all right, this, we're doing this and this is the last time we're doing it, we have more than enough capital, you know, and maybe it was like a, some kind of like mess up miscommunication with S&P or they were expecting S&P, yeah, who knows what it was, but um, Elon's comments on Twitter with the Jack Bogle, uh, the, the Jack Bogle, uh, reference um kind of i interpreted like he's he's not interested in 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 pleasing the s&p committee anymore or in this respect like let stocks let bygones be guy bygones and stocks fall where they may you know stock prices so that's kind of how i thought it, 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 it was but but you know they decided to do this valuation this this um this raise and uh they could do it again you know, I mean, there's nothing stopping them doing it next week if it's $800 or a thousand bucks a share, right? What if they raise another five billion at a thousand bucks a share? It's possible, you know, and and that might not hurt the stock price either. You know, um, you know, five billion is just a drop in the bucket for the total amount that needs to be bought. So, that, what yeah, do you think? Um, I think, like in my opinion, like um, stock offerings is it's really Elon Musk's decision. Like he is the guy who says yes or no. And I, I, I had this. Um, kind of inside look into that um, where during the whole like you know 2018 kind of sagas Tesla really probably should have raised some money to have some cushion but they kind of pushed the envelope they're like we're gonna make it or break it you know just yeah. with our current cash and um, yeah and I, I remember at uh, autonomy day um, after autonomy day like Elon was talking with a few kind of institutional investors. We're kind of in a, in a group, in a circle and stuff. And um, people were were kind of asking about a raise, a possible raise, right? And he kind of like deflected the question and stuff, obviously, because he probably couldn't tell at that time. But um, what I got out of kind of the, the whole interactions, like personally, was that like it really is Elon's decision, like in terms of cap raises and stock offerings. And I think he probably had a lot of pressure during 2018 to raise some money, but it was his decision not to raise money and to push it. Um, and then when Tesla raised money, it was his decision to raise it. And so I think this 5 billion and the last 5 billion, all of Tesla's you know cap raises, it's really Elon's call, you know? And he's not going to do it unless he wants to do it. You know, like this is very evident. And yeah. I think a big part of it is Elon, First, he doesn't like the stock price, I think, to get too out of hand. Personally, I think the higher it goes, he will kind of fight it. You know, he will. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if cold water on it. Right? Yeah. I, I wouldn't be like surprised if he starts tweeting like, you know, it's too, too high. Exactly. It's just, and stock, a stock raise is, is part of that, you know, effort to say, hey, yeah. you know, this is getting kind of out of hand. I mean, Elon thought it was like out of hand, like what? Uh, when it was like $160, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, I, maybe COVID has something to do with it, but still, yeah. it's like, um, I think that's part of it. I think also pe people need to realize like a uh, super high stock price isn't necessarily advantageous for 
Tesla completely. It's advantageous in certain ways, like with debt and credit rating and the ability yeah. for suppliers to but trust Tesla. But employee compensation is not great, right? Yeah. Right. I mean, the employee morale, you're going to have a bunch of people at Tesla wanting to retire, right? Yeah. Because they're like, forget yeah. it, forget this, right? And then you're going to have a bunch of people, like if the Tesla stock price lags for like five years, yeah. they're going to be frustrated, right? And like all this stuff. And I think a gradual stock price rise is yeah. much more like, you know, desirable in Elon's mind. Yeah. Um, and he wants to reward the employees that have time to accumulate shares versus the employees that came on this year that really don't have time to accumulate shares at a, at a, at a low valuation. They're yeah. all getting a small amount of shares at this high valuation, you know, so it's hard for them to really, you know, share in the, in the growth as much if exactly. the stock isn't going to keep going up massively. Exactly. And then I bet there was a lot of inquiries, like all these investment banks are saying, Hey, why don't you raise some money? Why don't you raise some money? Maybe the S&P 500 committee is like, hey, raise some money. And so yeah. Tesla's like, oh, I don't want to do it. But then it gets to Elon's desk because, you know, he's like, okay, fine, 5 billion, you know? It's like, yeah. let's, let's cap the stock a little bit, like, you know, the momentum. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, he's like, maybe he's raising money for his uh, electric electric uh, vertical takeoff and landing uh, jet. Uh <laughs> True. Yeah. Capital program in the future. Who knows? I mean, you know, yeah. they don't need enough. They don't need the money to do the factories they're doing now. But there's something he there's something he's going to use this for. He's not just raising the money just to keep it on his balance sheet for yeah. a rainy day, right? What do you think he would be using it for? I mean, that's the thing with acquisitions. Like acquisitions make sense because, like, you know, they could mm -hmm. really maybe advance certain things. But the problem is Tesla could already acquire using equity and maybe a combination yeah. of cash. So they don't need a ton of cash. They could roll out factories, but they're already rolling out factories as fast as they can. Their yeah. new Roadrunner line, et cetera, it helps, but yeah. they already have almost $15 billion yeah. in the bank, you know? Yeah, the supply chain it's is like, going as fast as it can for the raw materials and everything. Yeah, yeah, and then their debt, they can pay off debt, but then why? And they could also just, you know, refinance the debt. They could do different things, but um, I don't yeah. know. I wish, I mean, this is just complete speculation, which is unfounded, and I don't think there's very little chance it's going to happen, but I would yeah. love for Elon to combine boring company Neuralink into Tesla, you know, mm. and just buy yeah. out all the investors for boring, boring company and Neuralink and say, yeah. this is all going to be under Tesla, you know, pay, pay boring company and Neuralink, you know, handsome fee, whatever to the investors, yeah. et cetera, bring it all under Tesla, make it more simple, you know, make Elon's life yeah. simple, right? Yeah. Just SpaceX for space and yeah. Tesla for everything Earth, right? And yeah. that's that's kind of my hope, but I doubt you know it'll happen, especially yeah. in, in well, the near term. Years ago, he did mention in some interview a desire to create one central holding company for all his businesses. Um, I can't remember what interview, but it must have been like eight, five, eight, or ten years ago. Yeah, that was a while back. Ahead. I remember he was entertaining kind of the idea of a holding company um, for all the businesses. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, yeah, but I that mean, was a while ago. I mean, yeah. who knows what he's. If I mean, he that would that it. would simplify, you know, um, my investing in some ways. It's like, you know, <laughs> just let me buy a piece of Elon. And exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Wanna... <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't. Actually, I wouldn't. I would actually. I wouldn't mind uh, combining SpaceX with uh, Tesla and Boring Company yeah. and Neuralink. Just call it like yeah. X. You know. Yeah. He has a domain yeah. name. Make it the overall holding company. Yeah. Um, and then I'm all. I'm all for that. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be cool. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of what I thought. Uh, but when I was thinking that S&P inclusion might not even happen like a month ago, um, I was thinking like, you know, maybe there's it's getting so big now where the bigger it gets, the harder it's going to be for them. You know, what if it gets to be a trillion dollar market cap and they haven't added it yet? Are they really going to be able to even add it? 
And uh, so I was thinking, if it gets so big where they just can't even add it, then I thought maybe it was like 15% chance they wouldn't add it like a month ago. So I was seriously thinking about it, contemplating it. And I was like, Tesla could become its own asset. You know, even though it's a stock trading, it's almost like its own asset class. It's the biggest company in the world of a conglomerate of businesses, and it's not even part of the S&P 500. So you have to almost consider it as like its own asset class. And and so now it's part of the S&P 500, but it's also going to become like this biggest company in the world potentially with you know, a whole a host of businesses that are dominating or changing industries and, and so forth. And yeah. 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 I mean, I would love a piece of Starlink inside Tesla. I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think that's that'd underrated. be great. Um, so lastly, I want to talk about kind of um, the impact of this stock offering on your thoughts on Tesla's price action over the next couple of mm-hmm. weeks. Uh, we have the S&P 500 inclusion happening December 18th, right after market close. Yeah. Um, people, index funds usually need to buy it. My guess is probably a few days before they'll be buying in earnest and then maybe there'll be some buying after a couple of days, but um, around that time. Uh, what do you think? I mean, there'll probably be a bunch of buying, obviously beforehand, you know, by arbitragers, yeah. people trying to sell to these indexers. Um, yeah. yeah, does this change your opinion at all about, you know, what's going to, what's going to happen in the coming weeks? Not a lot. I mean, you know, the 5 billion is sort of a drop in the bucket, you know, rounding error or whatever you want to call it. It's not a big impact on the amount that has to be taken out of circulation effectively by the index funds, you know, not even counting the benchmark funds and closet indexers and so forth. So there's just a whole, you know, I think I mentioned last night, there's just as a whole, I think there could be a whole paradigm shift on how people look at Tesla as an investment going forward. And, and we're in the midst of that paradigm shift to more like an Amazon perspective. And, and we're just, you know, it's possible we're just in the middle of that right now. And it, it's like a new price discovery, you know, um, and uh, we'll see where it kind of settles out at. Um, a lot of, you know, as we say in all our videos, people have to make their own investment decisions, right? We're not giving advice. And it, 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 it almost saddens me that there's so many people on social media or YouTube or, you know, contacting me all, you know, asking like, what price should I sell? Do you, are you still holding what, you know, they're like asking me to tell them when to buy or sell and their options, especially. And I'm like, man, if, if people need, need someone else to tell them or to tell, you know, when to buy or sell the option contract, they shouldn't be investing in options, right? Options are super leveraged, you know, instruments, you know, and, um, I'm kind of worried just that a lot of people could get hurt in the volatility here. Like what if the stock drops a hundred points tomorrow, you know, like Mm -hmm. that could happen, you know, and then everyone's like selling and, or, and people lose a lot of money on their options contracts. So I'm just a little worried. Um, anything could happen. Big picture, you zoom out, Tesla's going to be worth much more than it is today. Um, it's pretty incredible what's going on with the stock price and S&P inclusion event here. We don't really know short term. But uh, I don't think the $5 billion equity raise uh, changes that outcome very much at all. Whatever yeah. that outcome was going to be, I think it's still going to happen. So, yeah. You know, the stock price could still drop 500, you know, 100 points to $500 tomorrow. And that might have happened even without the $5 billion capital raise, you know. So I don't think it makes a huge difference to whatever's going to play out is what I'm mm-hmm. saying. Yeah. Um, what do I, you think? Yeah. Um, so a few things. So f- first on this whole thing, like people like, you know, um, wanting to follow, let's say, your trades or your suggestions. Like, um, yeah, I noticed... Um, I think that's kind of like the traditional or conventional type of 
trading mentality. It's like mm-hmm. you subscribe to all these like so-called experts who pitch these stock ideas of buy this at this yeah. point and sell it at this point. And um, yeah. that's the that's like 95% of the option trading or, or more, 99% of option trading ed- education <laughs> is so-called yeah. gurus telling you when to buy and when to sell, you know? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And or what spread to put on. Exactly. You know, what, and mm-hmm. the option gurus and trading gurus making money, not mostly from their trades, but from the subscriptions, right? They're selling to, yeah. to people, which is mind boggling to me. Um, and that's where I, I'm like, yeah, it's like, I think there's a, it's not just you're capped when you have to follow someone like that into trades, but yeah. I think you lose most of the time over time because you don't really know what that person's thinking and you're always late. And that person's not going to tell you everything. You know, yeah, like there's going to be a lot of stuff that, you know, there's limited information to, to transfer and there's decisions that are constantly being made. Um, yeah. Like even when I research a company, like I research probably 20 times more or 30 times more than I share what the information I share, you know, or it might even be more 50 or 100 times. So I'm yeah. sharing just a, like a synopsis and then it changes and I can't share every change. You know, yeah. every, every yeah. second, every minute, and I'm not going to s- s- share all my buyings and sellings or whatever, because it's like, it's like, I think in some ways it's like, it's a disservice to people to, tr- to, to tell them what to do because yeah. it creates a dependency and it caps them. Um, and I think the essence of it is you need, I mean, this is my opinion, but is for people to get kind of their own kind of skills to make their own independent decisions. Um, but learning from people how they think and how they approach things, I think that's invaluable, you know, because it really yeah. helps people to sharpen their thinking. Um, the, yeah, second- the way I think about it is one thing is the way I think about it is th- when I get into an option and what people should do, if they're doing any options trades, they're trying to do something like I'm doing or what they're maybe they do it on their own anyway. And they're just asking for advice. Whenever I get into an options trade, I always have an, a plan of when to, I'm going to get out, right? I don't get into an options trade thinking, okay, I'm just going to buy this call option and see what happens. You know, I don't say I'm going to buy this put option and and just wait until the person who told me to buy it indicates it's time to get out. You know, that's the worst thing to do. Mm-hmm. Whenever the best, what you need to do, what I've discovered is when you, especially with options, maybe not so much with common stock, you know, you can be much more long-term folks, but options have a defined amount of time to them. So you have to have a, exit plan going into the options purchase. I think you have Mm -hmm. to know like, okay, when it gets to this value by this date, I'm going to get out or I'm going to cut out half of it or 25% of it. You know, you need to have some kind of plan and stick to it because if you're just going day by day, kind of fly by the seat of your pants, (laughs) then you're just letting your emotions dictate what to do. And you're going to, you're going to be greedy when the price is going up and never sell. And then when it's going down, you're going to freak out and sure. sell at the low, you know? Sure. What was your exit plan with your, with this latest, you know, your, your $2.7 million trade? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I think I mentioned, it's funny. Uh, I had this, uh, intern guy I hired to put together these five minute video clips. I think he got in touch. Yes. <laughs> Thanks for helping him with that. So it's going to be on my website soon. And I was just reviewing the one from the, and, and I mentioned it in there and it's, it's, it's what I thought anyway, but I just was good to reaffirm that I said it in that video sort of was like, I think there's going to be, I'm holding this for a 20 X or more return on, on the, you know, seven or $8 premium I paid for it. Right. Um, but if it runs up faster than I think, which it sort of is, you know, already it's like, you know, this is much bigger than I envisioned or just 
running up faster and it's going to correct sooner than I think too. Um, so if it's running up faster than I think, if I get to like a 10 X return or somewhere in that neighborhood, you know, and I think it's, a, you know, then I'm, I'll, I'll probably piece out of, you know, 10, 20 or 25%, somewhere around that just to get, at least get my money back and, and maybe double my money. If it's 20%, I'm getting out of a 10 X return and then let the other 80% kind of ride for a while and, and, and see how that whole inclusion event plays out for the rest of the month, even, and see if benchmark funds are accumulating. So that's kind of my plan is, um, I have a number in mind where I'm going to get out of a portion of it to at least make my money back and, and some extra, mm-hmm. and then I'm going to be risky with the rest of it. Yeah. Um, one last, uh, or idea I was thinking about with this is inclusion is the idea of sing, 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 signaling. So typically when a company, let's say, does a stock offering, there's this, there's all these like signaling theories going on where it's like people, investors say, okay, the CEO and management is signaling to the market that the stock is overvalued or overpriced. Therefore, they're raising to take advantage of it. And therefore, typically with stock offerings, you, you do see kind of the stock uh, kind of take a hit uh, yeah. uh, more often than not. It's not obviously not often the case, not all the case. I think in Tesla, what's interesting is the the signaling by Elon Musk regarding and Tesla regarding the stock price being, let's say, too high or overvalued, et cetera. It's it's not it's not effective. Meaning, mm-hmm. it doesn't really seem to have a lot of bearing. I think partly because there's too much information out there. Like with a small company that investors don't know much about, if the CEO and the management decide to raise money, they're like, oh, they must know something that we don't know, right? There's not yeah. enough information. Yeah. But with Tesla and the amount of information that's out there, people are like, oh, forget it. We don't trust Elon's point of view regarding the stock yeah, price, yeah. et cetera. Right? Yeah, yeah. And so the signaling by management doesn't have the same effect that it would have sure. with its smaller company, right? But yeah, yeah it's interesting because there is that that factor in in the S&P 500 inclusion in, in price movements of the management's view of the stock. And it seems with Tesla, you know, that signal is not like, you know, very effective or strong, at least, you know, from what we've seen in recent history. Yeah, no, it's, it's every, it seems like when they raise capital, the stock does the opposite of what a lot of people would expect it goes up, you know? Um, so yeah, I mean, they're the most efficient. I think you said it in the past that you've never seen, someone more efficient at deploying capital than Elon Musk, right? So <laughs> Elon Musk raising 5 billion, that's going to turn into a hundred X in a few years. Exactly. <laughs> so whatever money he's raising is going to really go back into the business in a smart way. Most likely that's going to really increase the value of the company eventually, you know? Yeah. Like so. one of my like kind of main, like big kind of uh, ideas or pushes like several years ago, especially when Tesla was, you know, lagging, um, for several years was the whole concept of if you give Elon Musk just billions, if not tens of billions of dollars or say every year just to spend, you know, just to invest in whatever he wants to invest, like what's going to happen to that. Right. And he's just proven over and over that, like he's able to create such value from even little amounts of money, you know? And, to see what he can do with tens of billions. It's not just the $20 billion in the bank for Tesla, but it's also their cash flow, you know? Because people get confused. They think, oh, Tesla is barely profitable, so then they can't spend. But that profit actually is not really, um, it doesn't really show their ability to spend or their cash that they can invest because um, 
that profit actually shows is like the depreciation and amortization of the equipment is included in that. So what it mm-hmm. means is mm-hmm. their cash flow is actually a lot greater than what their profit is showing mm-hmm. because it's kind of recouping the, the money that they invested in equipment and factories in the past. And so mm-hmm. because of that, let's say Tesla, you know, has a few hundred dollar, you know, profit, gap profit or something. Their non-gap profit might be higher, let's say 500 to a billion for that quarter, but then their cash flow might be even be higher than that because of, you know, the recouped or, yeah, the, the depreciation amortization that they had to include. And so people yeah. aren't realizing that Tesla's already in this state of multi-billion dollar cash flows that Elon's yeah. investing. And now he has $20 billion extra. And it's like, geez, man, you know, it's like, wow. Yeah. yeah I, I mean, I saw it, it's going to, we're going to see that sky's the limit here because it reminds me of, uh, I listened to a Lex Friedman podcast recently with George Hotz, mm-hmm. you know, the guy who cracked the iPhone originally when he was like a teenager. So this, this guy's like one of the most brilliant computer hackers out there, you know, software people out there. And it was a lot, I like listening to his interviews because he has interesting perspectives on things. And he also talks about Elon Musk sometimes he's interacted with Elon Musk, obviously, and he knows the self-driving stuff. He's got his own comma.ai company and all that. But, uh, he said it really an interesting way that really stuck with me about Elon and, and that interview with Lex Friedman. It was just like a month or two ago. It was published, I think. And uh, he said that he's never seen anyone close to as good as Elon at marshalling resources. He used the word marshalling, which is kind of hit home. Like Elon knows how to, you know, marshal massive resources way better than anyone else. You know, so giving Elon these extra billions, he'll figure out how to make it efficiently used to grow the business. You know, I, I think I'm pretty, I'm more confident in him doing that than any other CEO. Mm-hmm, definitely. All right. On that note, we'll go ahead and wrap up. Um, uh, part two and three of our last night's conversation will come out. So tomorrow will be part two, and then the following day will part, be part three. Yep. We have some interesting discussions. I loved that talk yesterday, actually. It was very helpful. Yeah. And, um, that was great. Yeah. yeah. Thanks, Dave. Always have fun talking with you, Emmett. Take care and good luck, and we'll talk to you soon. Okay.